You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. We got a new dryer today. Okay. Dryer broke. I looked at what was going on with it, and I was like, this is pretty much the cost of another dryer to get this thing fixed. So I got a new dryer. Home Depot shows up, and they show up at 7.05 in the morning. Oh, 7.05 in the morning this morning. Come on. I'm a podcaster for crying out loud. I don't get up that early. That's crazy. Right. And my wife is up getting the kids off to school because she, she works for a bank, and she works from home, and... Her, her hours start very early. She was actually already sitting there typing on her computer when they phoned and said what time they were coming. And she's like, I got to get the kids out the door. And can you get up and, and pay attention to this? So I get up. I'm wearing yesterday's clothes. I'm standing down there as the guy has pulled out the one dryer. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, this is going to be a problem. You hate hearing that. No, no, you don't want to hear that. It's just an install, right? And he's already taken the other dryer away. Oh, this is going to be a problem. And I go, what's going to be a problem? He goes, well, your, your, your valve here that the gas goes into is a little smaller than what they use these days. This is an older valve. And I was like, all right, so do you replace the valve? He goes, ah, that's, that's going to be a big pain. But, but if it doesn't like, fit. I'm looking at it like, I'm sorry it's a pain for you, big guy. But like, <laughs> somebody's got to replace it and I ain't going to do it. I hire plumbers for most of the work around here to have to deal with water. You think I feel like I can actually keep a seal on a gas line? Get out of here. Uh, This guy ends up doing it. And he basically is using like a different attachment than what came with the dryer. And I'm looking at, and at the end of it, I just kept listening to his explanation. And part of me feels like he did it right. And part of me feels like he just put an awful lot of tape in there to make sure it all fit. And I'm very, very nervous about that right now. So if I smell gas, it's <laughs> the new dryer and the questionably rigged up valve yeah. connection. Well, you know, it's going to be a big problem to do this the right way. What do you mean it's going to be a big problem to do it the right way? If I smell something, I will uh, be sure to let you know. I will be sure to get up from the <laughs> nine foot homemade oak bar. Right. And I will not light a match to go investigate. Very good. Now we're now we understand each other. We are on the same page. For other issues in the basement, like uh, trying to keep water out of your basement, uh, you definitely want to check out Family Waterproofing Solutions, the proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Family veteran owned and operated. They take money off. You mentioned Socks in the Basement. Give them a call 24-7 for any needs from some pumps to seepage. 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. I have decided to be positive today, and I want to explain why. Okay, okay. Why? Why Why now? Why this moment? <laughs> I'm floating around. Is it the gas? Uh, no, it might be. I might literally be breathing <laughs> okay. in gas down here. But I, and that's what's going to make me more positive, is the fact that my brain cells are slowly dying because it's probably a bad connection down here. Like, at this point, I don't trust it. Like, I won't even use the thing. Every time, like, my wife's like, you want to start another uh, dryer load? I'm like, why don't you hit that button? You, you 
you seem to know how it works. I haven't read the manual yet. I'm going to go stand over here while you do it. Like, that's how I feel at this moment. But <laughs> I'm going to go stand across the street in a bunker that I made in the neighbor's house. The thing that I've seen on Facebook in a lot of White Sox groups is people complaining that they have had their season tickets re-upped and they want to cancel their tickets because they're so bad at this team and they want to show Jerry Reinsdorf just how much they think of him by canceling their plans. And I guess right. the, depending on the plan you have, you might be on this 10-month auto renewal program. The White Sox, though, put out like how the actual thing works. Like The opt-out period has begun, but the deadline to opt out of your tickets is not until November the 16th, according to this, this, uh, this section I found on their website, right? Then they're going to start taking automatic payments for next year, November the 30th. Now, I am not an expert on this. If you've been told differently, please don't quote socks in the basement. It's not my fault if all of a sudden Jerry grabs your money and you didn't want to give it to him. But what I have seen in the comments, and this is why I'm bringing it up, is the amount of people that are like, I'm not going back. I'm so angry. Until they fire Han, until they fire Williams, until Jerry dies, like all this stuff. Like, I mean, the stuff that's in there, there is just hate and vitriol and anger. And I've been thinking to myself, is it possible that socks in the basement has contributed to this anger? Have I been too negative, Ed? It's possible, yes. <laughs> I I do feel like there's been a little bit of a lack of positivity between you and I here at the bar. Um, I feel like there's been... Uh, I mean, I've been angry. Yeah, I feel like there's been some anger. There's been some sadness, some depression, some grief, some uh, guff being given by us to the team, um, some bad news being delivered on occasion. And also just uh, some general negativity. So so what I have pledged today is that no matter what you bring up, no matter what you discuss on this show, no matter what topic, whether we talk managerial search, whether we talk projections for next year, I pledge today on this show to only be positive about the Chicago White Sox. Well, you know, it's interesting because you bring up, you know, the the, the anger that you're seeing in some of the, the you know, Twitter, Facebook, uh, some of the social media groups out there, even some texts that I've gotten back and forth with White Sox fans. One of the sources of anger this week, and I thought it was kind of funny because I, I don't I don't think the team is seriously considering this, was the amount of quote unquote traction that the Jim Tomey as the next manager rumors got. I feel like that spiraled a little bit. And I don't know where you fall on the Jim Tomey scale of things. I think he's a good baseball analyst. I hear, I understand he's a wonderful human being. He was certainly a tremendous baseball player, great baseball mind, but I don't see the advantage of hiring somebody as a rookie manager, which also then made me think like, you know, even Ozzy who had some coaching experience and wasn't like an analyst when he was hired, don't all rookie managers, whether they're coming off as a bench coach or in Ozzy's case, he was a third base coach. Uh, or they're coming from the broadcast booth or a high school in California, maybe. Don't they all have the same growing pains when you start off? Like, don't we remember Ozzy starting Jose Paniagua instead of Neil Cotts in 2004 and then that kind of spiraling the 2004 Sox out of the playoffs? I know what negative Chris would say or reasonable Chris would say, but I'm going to be positive here. Okay. Jim Tomey seems like a good guy and probably could manage. Right? I mean, I mean like, well, whatever. we could do worse than Jim Tomey. Oh, yeah. Well, he would he would, re- he would connect with the players, wouldn't he? He's such a good guy. Like, Right. I mean, that's my positive spin. It could be worse than Jim Tomey. Does he have experience? No. 
Um, is he equipped to be able to walk into a uh, a clubhouse that was in enough disarray that Liam Hendricks was quoted as saying they need an authoritative figure? And you hear all these weird rumors coming out of it of clicks inside of the clubhouse and you need somebody to really get control. I don't know if he's equipped for that either, but he hits really long home runs. The team, according to their marketing, has informed me that he's a White Sox great, even though the majority of what he did was with the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, But he did hit that one big giant home run in center field in game 163 to win one to nothing. And so I think that's what qualifies him to be the manager of the Chicago White Sox. And look, it can't be any worse. And, and, you know, before we move on to something else, let's say something positive about the idea of Ozzie Guillen coming back, because that's being pushed as well. I think Bruce Levine was trying to say that he hasn't been ruled out. I mean, that's like me saying that anybody hasn't been ruled out. Nobody's been ruled out until somebody's been hired. It's the dumbest thing yeah, I've ever heard Yeah, be positive. Of. Everybody's on the table right now, right? Right. I mean, Everybody. anyone and everyone. I could do it. Okay, so if Ozzy came back, and if I'm trying to be positive, I would say he is the kind of guy that's going to go in there and throw some of these guys under the bus. He is the kind of guy that's going to go in there and tell somebody who's allowed him out to shut up. He is the kind of guy that's going to bench a player, no matter how many videos have been made about him, no matter how much the marketing of the team has been geared towards the player. If the player is lazy, he is going to sit there and say no. He is the kind of person that would look at the front office if they made the mistake of hiring him. And it would be a mistake on their part because he would be the person that would look at them in June and say, I'm the manager. If you don't want me, fire me. It'd be like bringing Billy Martin in and watching George Steinbrenner fire and rehire him multiple times throughout the season. Like, this is what the Ozzie experience would be. It would be fun. It would be it would be a blast to cover. It would be interesting to listen to him give his real thoughts on some of these players who have, you know, been put behind like, like a shield almost by the team. We don't talk bad about this guy or we don't let out this. He would just let it all fly, right? And he is a skilled in-game manager. He, he's not perfect, but he is, he is better than most that we've had over the last 20, 30 years sitting in that dugout. And he did win a World Series. And generally, think of all the, of the managers that we've gone out and we've talked about, especially those with dugout experience that have won championships or come close or had playoff uh, you know, experience and done well. And we all say, well, you know, the next time around they get good. Look at how good Joe Torre was after he failed a few times, right? Why can't that be true for Ozzy? Maybe he comes back and he's even better than the first version of Ozzy, right? And worst case, he throws people under the bus. Like if Han doesn't do something at the trade deadline, Ozzy's going to say something about it in front of a microphone. So if I have to be positive about that, that's why I'm positive. Because uh, that would just be something amazing to watch. I mean, let's be honest. Unless they get completely, unless they make a couple of big moves here, unless the front office that has failed so often does so, does something great this whoa, offseason. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that careful? That's neg- You think that's negative? I'm trying to say that they might do something great. Let's let's oh, okay. Let's okay. imagine that they actually suddenly get better at evaluating talent, making trades. Right. Like I'm positively I'm positive that since Rick on says that he would leave if he couldn't do it, that he can actually do it. Right. So let's say he does so it like 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 say that that they just come up with the money Trey Turner's looking for and they bring him on board. What about Tim Anderson? The wood from this tree. 
belts the ball deep to right field into the bleachers. Morningwoodbats.com is the custom wooden baseball bat company that'll help you smoke them over the fence. Wow! Check out our custom bat builder that allows you to pick the wood species model and color and get custom personalized engraving that'll be drop shipped right to you. Put some life in your lumber with Morningwood. Morningwoodbats.com. 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 Do it today. You know, as a 45-year-old baseball fan, it's very hard for people to buy gifts for me. But I guarantee you, if you grabbed it off of MorningwoodBats.com, I would be excited to open up the gift. It's really cool. Check that site out. Put in Socks 22 when you check out. You get 10% off. That's for Socks in the Basement. Listeners, you mentioned Trey Turner. I go, what about Tim Anderson, Ed? Trey Turner's played second base in the past. But again, I keep saying this over and over again. Look at all the shortstops that are out there. Look at the money that's being freed up, Ed, especially with Abreu not coming back. And if you decide to move on from Giolito, which is something they could decide to do with that ARB number and looking at the guys they don't have to pick up options for. And then if you're able to move the 12 and a half million of Anderson to pick up a piece that is going to be playing every day for you just in a different role. And you can take that and go offer $25 million a year to $30 million a year to Correa or Dansby Swanson or Trey Turner. You would upgrade your defense. You'd upgrade your hitting. All three of those guys are better than Tim Anderson. Okay. I know we all love Tim. Tim's 30 years old. He's a BAPIP like wonder. He's a, he's a guy that a lot of times his stats don't make a lot of sense and his power was disappearing this year. He could have a big rebound. In fact, I expect him. That isn't me trying to be positive. I expect him to rebound. But it should right. not be yeah, completely off the table that if you're going to remake the team in the lineup, that could be something that you explore. I don't expect him to do it, but I'm it should nothing should be off the table. I don't think one player on this team should be safe. Let's go to the Socks in the Basement voicemails. Um, we got a couple of them in here. I, I'm going to just play one of them just to kind of like continue to to stimulate are you, are the conversation. Are you looking for positivity or are you just looking for somebody else to talk so you and I don't say something negative? I'm hitting something random. I'm going to pick one random okay. call okay. here, okay? Because I get a big list of them at SocksInTheBasement.com. There's a way for you to leave a message there. There's a microphone there. It's a, a, If you have a speaker, whether it be your laptop, your tablet, your phone, it's very easy. You just click on the, the little microphone. You can leave a voice message. You can type a message to us as well. Uh, so it's easy for you to communicate with us. Uh, let's try this one. Hey guys, I've been saying this all year long where the White Sox have no balance left-handed hitting. When you look at the final four qualifying teams, with the exception of the Yankees, every single one of them has a lot of pop from the left-hand side. Astros have Alvarez and Tucker. Phillies have Schwarber and Harper. Padres have Soto and Bell. Yankees just have Rizzo. My prediction, the Yankees are going to bow out to Houston. The White Sox had Moncada and Grandel, both guys hitting sub 200 or close to 200. If the White Sox go into next year expecting Moncada and Grandel to provide that pop from the left-hand side, Rick Hahn should be fired on the spot or every single Sox fan should call up and ask for that guy's head. That caller is brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Our guests, our callers, all brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore, and uh, find out about zombie laser tag and the Lamont 
Halloween hoedown going on this Saturday in the village and so much more at LamontDowntown.com. That caller, little negativity, little upset with Rick Hahn. I'm I'm avoiding yeah, that today. Yeah. All right. I'm avoiding that. But he makes an interesting point about all the left-handed power and the lack thereof with the White Sox. Now, my positive comment before you jump in on this, Ed, would be A.J. Pollock generally is good no matter what type of pitcher's on the mound. So even though he's a righty, he's almost like a lefty the way that he can hit both lefty and righty pitchers almost the same. He didn't have a really great year in 2022, but if he bounces back, it helps a little bit. The Sox have been talking about getting left-handed power for... Years now, right? And Gavin Sheets is one of those guys that's supposed to be there that wasn't really mentioned in the, you know. Uh, Mankata is supposed to be that guy, too. Grandal's supposed to be that guy. So I, I don't I don't believe I'm going to say something positive here, but I don't actually fault Rick Hahn because I think he did try and address it with, you know, a, at least one homegrown talent and a free agent. And then, obviously, with the, with Mankata being the, you know, the top prospect, you would assume that some of his power was going to translate. Now, I will say this. It Left-handed power is not simple to come by in all circumstances. It seems like it's something where you are either going to have to get someone who's a strictly a platoon guy, or you're going to be trying to pay for somebody who's a star and a, and a real stud. So I'm not going to call for Rick Hahn's head on that. But yeah, I do think that even though you can say AJ Pollock and I think Aloy Jimenez could potentially fall into that kind of a category too, where they're going to be good and pretty equal, no matter if it's a righty or lefty on the mound. Uh, if you're looking for some left-handed thunder in the off season, I think that would be a good thing to address. And I think that there's, you know, possibilities are always going to be out there for it, but it's probably going to take a trade. But, but again, I don't think that's overly negative either, because really what we're talking about, we're saying, we're saying that a team that didn't make the playoffs needs to improve and just like we did on our last show where we were, you know, where I was comparing them, the, the, the team's build and makeup and, and efforts to the playoff teams to sit there and say, hey, I've noticed a trend that a team that has somebody like Schwarber and Harper, like the Phillies do, makes for a much more dangerous lineup than even the Yankees who have Aaron Judge, who just had one of the greatest offensive seasons in the history of baseball, but they only have Anthony Rizzo to help balance out to the left, you know, for the lefties. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not a, that's not a negative thing. If I look at guys that are slated to become free agents, Josh Bell was mentioned there by the caller. He's a switcher, eh, no. but I don't know what you're going to do with another first baseman. And he's a bad defensive first baseman. He's not only a first baseman, but he'd be your worst defensive first baseman. So forget him. Okay. We have well, too much and, of that. And, and he's, he's super streaky. He started yeah. out this year. Great. And he was bad before the trade to the, Na from the nationals. And, he did that when he was a pirate, too. What do you think about Jerickson Profar? I mean, he had 15 home runs. He can actually play infield and outfield. I think they used him primarily in left field, but he can play second base. He's a useful guy, but I think he's a bench. I think he's a I think he's a Larry replacement. All right. Uh, Andrew Benatendi. That's a guy that, that, that stood out to me when I was looking at a free agent list that actually checks a number of boxes off, doesn't he? Because he's an actual outfielder. Uh, so you're not playing a first baseman out there. He is a left-handed batter. He had a much better season for the Royals than what he had had when he was kind of faltering in Boston, which I think a player faltering in Boston under the weight of expectations with that team can still be a viable player somewhere else. So I don't think Andrew Benintendi's done. I wouldn't overpay for him, though. Uh, my question is, is Benintendi going to be a guy that's going to go out and try and command 
a long-term contract or big bucks, and I don't think he's worth overpaying for. But he would, he would, I think, help the team in terms of his profile and everything. Just like I think Pro, I, I do think Profire would be a good fit. I just don't know that I'd commit to Jerickson Profire as an everyday player. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So you're familiar with Scott White from CBS Sports, right? He's been on the show. He's he's a guy that we we look at a lot of his fantasy stuff, you and I, because he's pretty pretty intelligent guy when it comes to that, right? And the thing that I like about fantasy, especially when you look at like points leagues, it rewards all the things that, you know, players are rewarded all the production. for now. Right. You talk WRC plus and the idea that it, you know, takes into account like, you know, the the stadium where the guy plays and how much he's contributing to his team's offense and how much he gets on base. Well, in in points league and fantasy baseball, that's basically what Scott White's doing. He's looking at where's the guy going to play this year as opposed to last year. How's he going to set up? How many bats is he going to get? How do we project a player out so that we can determine if that guy's going to get a bunch of points for hitting home runs and driving in runs and 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 scoring himself and crossing home plate and you know more doubles and triples and singles and does he not if he strikes out too much that's a negative to him. So there's the, the fantasy points leagues are an interesting way to just get a quick look, a quick glance at projections for players. That's why I like looking at him. That's why we had him on the show. Yeah, so he's put out uh, now. He's kind of completed his list of all the all the all the different positions, right? So he's got first baseman, catcher. He's got shortstop, third base. Uh, you know, first base, and he just put out the top thirty outfielders in your in your day of positivity here. Yeah, how do you feel about the fact that uh, in the outfielder rankings, he's got Luis Robert at Eleventh is, and that's the highest-rated White Sox outfielder. He's actually got Aloy Jimenez behind Dalton Varsho, who's essentially a catcher slash outfielder for the Diamondbacks. He's got Tim Anderson ninth, but basically with a brick in his pants. So he's got that's a that's a falling nine that he's basically listed. Him yeah, as. he actually says, "Well, I'm ranking him here because he's Tim Anderson, but I see him falling off." That, that's basically yeah. how he writes it. Yeah, it's it's an extremely negative Tim Anderson entry. And then there's no second baseman listed, no third third baseman listed. So Moncada's not on there. There's no second baseman. And your highest ranked first baseman is the soon to be departed Jose Abreu with Andrew Vaughn coming in at 15th. So where do you think like this is a championship aspirational roster and they don't have anybody in the top 10 who's getting like top 10 solid. It's Tim Anderson at number nine because respect for what TA's done for a couple of years, but eh, don't know if it's going to happen again. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the outfield. I think that Scott White's wrong, and Aloy Jimenez may actually be the biggest producer out of that White Sox outfield. 
And that doesn't mean that I think Luis Roberts should go down from where he is. I actually like the fact that he's just outside the top 10 outfielders in terms of production that he thinks is going to happen. Because he likes he likes Roberts' pedigree, essentially. And he's saying if he plays every day, this guy's a star. I believe that. Aloy Jimenez at 17, I, I think Aloy Jimenez is going to have a monster 2023. Okay? A monster 2023. Aloy Jimenez is the kind of guy that that can go out and hit 40-some home runs for you. He's the kind of guy that he can go out and just mash the ball if you keep him healthy. And if the White Sox really do go with Aloy as a primarily designated hitter and you cut down on the chances he's going to hurt himself, you could get that this year. So when I, when I look at his rankings, the positive thing that I find is that not only does he project Robert to be good, and it does it remind you that if not for a few things that didn't go their way this year and things that didn't go the way it should have for Luis Robert this year, he would have had a better year, and he's young, and that this guy's arrow is still pointing up. Pointing up. But I also feel like he's undervalued Aloy Jimenez, and that makes me feel really positive. If I have those two guys listed for the White Sox, I go, I have two guys that I think even though they're 11 and 17 on that list, could both be in the top 10 when the year is over. And I think they both have the potential for that. So that's my positive spin on his rankings, but you're right. I mean, Tim Anderson's low. And I get the Tim Anderson thing being low. I mean, look, we've we've fallen in love with Tim Anderson because Tim Anderson has been marketed to us and he's been a good baseball player. Tim Anderson's a good baseball player, okay? He hits the ball very well. He does a lot of things like big time. He's come up in big moments, all right, he's a he's a vocal leader. We hear Scott Merkin when he comes on this show to talk to us tell us that he's a voice in the locker room. There's a lot of positives for Tim Anderson. Take out all the the negative stuff and the off the field stuff that he dealt with this season and the way that he wasn't on the field enough. He's a good baseball player. He's also 30. He he also is a guy who when you look at his his batted with the BAPIP, right? That that stat that basically is yeah. trying to determine luck. Batting average on balls in play. Right. He's a guy that it would say he's been a little lucky and eventually this is all going to even out. And I think that's why his ranking is at nine. And again, these are the reasons why I fall back to, man, look at the value of that contract. If only if only it hadn't made him the face of the franchise. Right. If he if 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 Tim Anderson was on a team that had all the all this other talent that had started to shine through this year, it'd be it'd be a lot easier to have the conversation of. You know, we could probably upgrade that position and get something really good for him because of where the contract is right now, you know? And again, if they keep him, he's a great plus for this team. I, I think he's going to have a good year next year. But I do notice that. I mean, that, that, that sticks out to me like a sore thumb. We have yet another person who evaluates talent and tries to project it sitting there saying, well, I mean, and let me bring it up. I'm going to bring it up and read what Scott White says. I got it. I got it right here. You have it? Go ahead and read what it says. At this point, a lengthy IL stint has to be factored in for Anderson, who ended up missing about half of 2022, all told. He's a BABIP unicorn and perennial batting title threat as a result, but his power and speed contributions, while relevant, are sometimes overstated. There you go. That's the line. That's the line that got me, because that's the line that says, hey, he really doesn't hit as many home runs as you think he does. And he doesn't steal bases he as really much as He really isn't stealing bases, and he's getting older. Okay? Like, it, his peak year may have already passed. I mean, in fact, right now, if I had to put down money, I would say his peak year probably was 2021 or even in in the shortened season of 2020. Okay. These, I mean, his peak year may have already gone by us, right? 
And he's a guy who's going to want more money. Which makes sense because that you were talking about his 27, 28-year-old season, right? So that's usually when guys are at their best. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. It's just if you're going to look at things heartlessly, and that's what I want my general managers to always do. Let me be the fan and love the player, and you be heartless and make moves that even if they bother me, make the team better so that we can all celebrate in October. I want my GM to be heartless. I want him to sit there and say, yeah, well, you did all this and we got a great value out of you, but you know, nothing says we got to keep you around if we can upgrade. Again, I don't think anything will happen because he's the literal face of the team. I mean, <laughs> I mean you're going to get rid of Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson. You're not selling any tickets next year. No, that's that's a, that's a hard that's a hard one. And and I I, I want to stop you because you're almost getting negative again, Chris. You're almost getting. Did negative. I make it to the? I, I haven't made it to the end of the show yet. Well, you know what? Here, I'll fill time, and then we'll we'll get to the end of the show. I want to remind everybody that the law offices of Parente and Norm have put up a thousand dollars for the thousand dollar guest bounty that you could win $1,000, and all you have to do is just get us a really cool guest. It could be anything. It could be a baseball player. It could be somebody from a front office. It could be an analyst. It could be a movie star. It could be a, a comedian. It could be the weirdo that was sitting at the end of my bar on Southside Pod. Check that out. It's a Ghostbuster that has no other Ghostbusters in his Ghostbuster crew. He's the Southside Ghostbuster. He's one of them. Singular Ghostbuster. When he left my basement the other day after recording that interview, I put the chain across the door. I was so weirded out by it. Like, I mean, listen to Southside Pod and check out the lone Ghostbuster who I let in my house. And my wife was like, this is why you can't let everybody come over to our basement to record your podcast. <laughs> it's another another show on the oh, network. But I hey, look, if you get a Ghostbuster, you get a. I mean, he's a, it was a, it was a weird and yet funny and yet interesting and slightly scary for the host kind of interview. But I mean, it was there. I'll take something because the best interview of the offseason wins $1,000 from Parente and Norm. Remember, they have won over $400 million for their clients, and they will give you a free case evaluation. Call or text them today, 312-641-5926, or visit pninjurylaw.com. And I think I made it to the end of the show, and I was positive. I, I feel like that was a positive show. Yeah, I got to give you credit. Now, next episode, I'm going to scream and yell about the idea that Jim Tomey could be the manager. Well, here, I got I got two words to set you up for that. Joe Madden. No, 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 no. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. 